Welcome to the Culinary Now podcast. I'm your host, Jamie Schick. And I'm Matt Britt. And today on the pod, we are joined by founder of Forge Two Table Knives, Noah Rosen. Noah, how are you, my friend? I'm fantastic. Excited to be here. Longtime listener, first time caller. <laughs> and and fantastic sponsor. I'm just going to throw that in there. Now, I, I will say that it is it is even sweeter to have you on the pod because we had to post by, or delay this many times. Like three times, yeah. <laughs> mixed schedules, a bunch of us got COVID. It was just a, a hot mess. So I, I'm so excited that we finally have a chance to talk to you. And, um, and we're looking forward to hearing your story. So I, I'll just start us out. Because, you know, we, we really sell your knives and we talk really great things about them because they're just, they're just so fun to work with and they have such good versatility and they're high quality. But I think the part that we don't do enough talking about, probably because, you know, we just don't know that much about it, is sort of the, the genesis of, of Forge to Table and how, you know, you started this company. And, and, and I'd be remiss if I didn't say you started this while you were a college student, a culinary student. And I think that that adds to the, the, the impressiveness of it. So if I can just start off, like how, how did this come to be? I mean, I'm excited to talk about it on the podcast, especially because it's really full circle. Um, I mean, I was in Jamie's class, played to desserts when it really started to come together when sort of that, you know, wow, this is real moment happened. Um, because I started it when I was a freshman at JWU. I tagged along with my dad, who does home goods and stuff like that. He's essentially retired now, but he worked a lot with QVC and HSN and stuff like that with a lot of home products. So he would always go to the houseware shows uh, in Chicago. It's this great trade show, tons of free samples, tons of celebrity chefs are there. So I tagged along to get to, uh, you know, just have a fun trip to Chicago, go to some amazing restaurants, meet some cool chefs and get some free samples. But while I was there... Obviously, I'm looking for some goodies for myself, and I connected with Carol Zing. Uh, it was her first time in Chicago, her first time stateside, actually. Um, she and her husband, Alex, have a forge. And Alex has been doing this uh, since he was little. He got trained by his dad. His dad learned from his grandfather. It's this really awesome third-generation operation that has grown and evolved, and he wanted to take it to another level. They'd never sold anywhere else. They weren't making a lot of different knives. It was a team of about three guys. They were just sort of doing their thing, you know, small little family business. They got the opportunity to go to Chicago to try to meet some big American company that wanted to bring them around the world and sell all these knives. And they ended up with me. And it was pretty funny when they got there. Um, you know, we've all talked about the story as years have passed. And they couldn't get the attention of anybody big because they were too small. They were this little family operation with these beautiful knives on folding tables in the basement section of the trade show, because they were these uh, the new guys on the block. But I saw their stuff and immediately fell in love with it, and I just wanted it for myself. So we formed this relationship, honestly, under the guise of me pretending that I'm going to do something with these knives because I was an excited culinary student wanting to get some blades for myself. But lo and behold, about uh, three or four months later, some samples show up, and I happened to be in uh, my plated desserts class, and I brought them into class and started playing with them. And uh, all of a sudden, my friends were pretty interested with what I had. They said, oh, those are really cool knives. Where'd you get those? And then the light bulb happened. And it sort of started to become this process of, oh, these are really cool. And my friends want these knives. Maybe I could actually do something with this. And that's sort of how it all started. That's such that's an awesome. amazing... I... I just feel like the one thing I took away from that is like 
you asked a question, you went up to someone and you, and you made a request. And, 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 and I think a lot of our listeners who are culinary students, first year, second year students, like that's really freaking hard to go outside your comfort zone and to make that initial ask, but, and then to see it through. And I just, I find it so amazing because I, I know the level of work that we provide or we, we, we give our students to start the, your own business. I mean, everyone has, a lot of our students have that vision, but to actually see it through, it's so impressive. Can you talk a little bit about, okay, once the light bulb went on and you had this vision like when you were first in it, the initial steps, like how much of a lift was it? Was it like overwhelming? Like, did it hit you like a, a ton of bricks? Like how did that first six months go? I mean, first six months went by sort of like nothing was happening because back in those days, it was this very slow process and it still is, you know, the, this is a handmade product. Everything we do, even with all of the different knives we have, it's a really slow and steady sort of wins the race. So after that first knife, I brought it into class and a friend wanted it. I regret now selling that because it would have been great to have it framed up on the wall the very first knife. But, you know, I took some of my savings and put the down payment on these knives to buy the steel and the wood and the oxhorn and fund the materials for it. And we got to work and it really did take almost a full six months just to get the first 200 knives made. So all I did was go to class and do my thing and have my summer vacation and get back in the fall and take my classes. And then I finally get an email that the knives are just about ready. What do we want to do for package design? And then all of a sudden it hit me like a truck that, oh, I'm about to have 200 knives show up to my dorm. What am I going to do to get these to people? So in the span of a couple days, I made an Etsy shop. I figured out stamps.com. I figured out that I was going to send some to California and some to Rhode Island. That way I could get it both sides. Um, and it really was a, oh, I've got to do something with this now. It is showing up on my doorstep. And now I need to uh, get these knives out into the world. So, But it's so well, important to just ask the question. Because a lot of what I first started doing when the knives showed up, besides having my little tiny Etsy shop, was going around and saying, hey, check out these knives. Do you want to take a look at them? I went up to uh, Hope Street and knocked on the door of stock and went in there after trying to send some emails, got no responses. I just showed up. I'd shopped there while I was a student. And I talked to Jan and I said, hey, I'm a culinary student over at Johnson Wales and I have these really cool knives that I designed. Would you like to see them? It was as simple as asking and telling her the story and people will take a chance on you. And it really comes back to just being open and always asking because you'll get, you know, told no a lot, but every once in a while, someone's going to say yes. And someone's going to want to take a stock in you and uh, really invest in your future. It's pretty amazing. So you started with this one knife. That was, that was the start of your company, but now you have so many different styles of knives and including the bench knife that we talk about a lot in our ad reads, um, personal favorite of, of my house. Uh, but how, how do you go about expanding your line? Do you talk to like, do you come up with it or do you talk with the manufacturers and come up with it together? How does that process work? Yeah, it's, um, it's a very sort of lax process. If I must say it comes a lot of, uh, out of talking to customers, I'll get emails of, Hey, do you sell this? Do you have that? I really want this. Can you make a custom? And that over the course of, you know, a year or two years, will go from a customer asking about a custom knife to you know us making a few and then it comes down to just chatting with the forge 
Carol and Alex and I will have our calls and our emails and say, what'd you make? What cool stuff have you been working on? Because, uh, you know, Alex is an amazing bladesmith and he likes to just sort of futz around in the forge sometimes and make these weird little projects. We have had some products that will absolutely never see the light of day, but I love having them. Um, we made throwing axes and he's made throwing stars. Um, we've done all sorts of stuff. He made some, you know, pans even out of some scrap steel, but we just sort of do this creative process. And then over here, I will talk to chefs that I work with and talk to, you know, friends in the industry. And if there's something that's really, you know, they want to see, we'll try to make it happen. That's how we've grown the line the way we have. So with that, is there anything that's ever been or will be like limited edition? Like this is a special, a special creation. It's only like we only made 300, it, that's all we have. Or do you ever take anything out of rotation? Because you're like, thought this was going to be a great seller. We didn't sell anything. And you're like, it's not worth making again. Absolutely. It's uh, really important to keep an eye on what's doing well, on what people are responding to. Um, those throwing axes, we ended up making about 50 of them. And I sold them directly to a couple of friends. They're you know a pretty serious tool. So I didn't want to sell them out there into the world. But that was one of those fun projects that we made one. We thought it was so cool. We wanted to show it off. So we made a few more. We're not going to do it again, but it was exciting. And then we have other things like our Damascus knives that we came out with a couple of years ago. We launched those through Kickstarter. They were the most expensive knife we'd come out with. And they're a great blade. But at the end of the day, you know, it's an expensive knife, especially with the way costs are going. They weren't really on the nail. Uh, they didn't hit the nail on the head for our industry people. So, you know, they didn't fit with the brand. We made a few of them. People loved them. But I don't think we're going to bring them back. And now we're going to play around with some new designs, some new stuff. Um, but we love doing the limited releases. It really feeds our creativity and, you know, gets the whole team working on something new and exciting. So while I'm a little upset to hear that the Damascus is potentially going away because I own one and it's, it's a great, it's a great knife. I think you touch upon something and, and, and people reach out to, to me and to us, you know, Hey, is Forge Table like really a good knife? I know you, you talk a big game, you like them. And I, and I, always respond honestly and I and I tell them what I really like about it and the blade is one of those things that is is just really really impressive it holds its edge it's super lightweight it's comfortable which I I think is underrated people always say that you know oh the knife has to be sharp or I mean comfort is important but you brought up something about price and I think that this is one thing that I have to be honest with people that ask is you're a relatively new knife company but you you can't do what a lot of people do which is sort of underprice their product because it costs a lot to make and you and you have to charge a, a premium and you know it's it, knives are expensive right now like any good kitchen knife is expensive did you find any growing pains having to like kind of start out not at that like top tier pricing but at a higher price point than maybe you know a lot of startups are able to get away with yeah, absolutely. Um, because I was in culinary school when I was doing this, I didn't have a big budget myself. That's why I went looking for this knife in the first place. Uh, when I bought my first like real Japanese knife when I was back working at a hotel when I was in high school, I bought it used off of another cook when he wanted something new because I wasn't in the market for a three or $400 knife, which is really what you have to fork up for a lot of these blades. So when we were figuring out our brand, when we were coming up with everything, when we were picking our steel, our wood, our materials, our packaging, everything, even how we would ship, it came down to what's the price point that's going to get people these knives, these handmade knives at a price that they can't find elsewhere, 
but also accepting that we're going to be more expensive. You know, we're more expensive than, you know, a set of Cuisinart from Costco, but that's not who we're trying to be. So it really came down to what's our cost? What can we do this for to get this into the hands? We still need to be able to offer discounts to chefs and first responders and things like that because we want to have those special discounts like the Culinary Now, you know, special for all the culinary students. Um, But we kind of hit the sweet spot, I have to say. I think we really came in at a price that chefs and cooks that are in the industry can come up and say, I'm going to buy this knife. It's going to be reliable. I can, you know, use it every day, but I'm not going to freak out if, you know, it ends up in the dishwasher or something. It is something that you can use every single day. And if you have to get a new one in two years, because something catastrophic happened to it, you're not going to be brokenhearted, which is the problem with some of these extremely nice knives, even like I was using back in the day, that you've got trust issues with where your knife kit is and all these other things. So, you know, it was an important part of uh, pricing for us. But you said two years too. I mean, I, the Damascus blade that I got was, I, I got it at the very begin, beginning of mm-hmm. COVID. And I remember your like Northeast salesperson brought it over to me, like hand delivered yeah. a mask and like all the PPE and stuff. <laughs> and, and that knife I use daily. I've never sharpened it. I'm, I'm not like, I'm not lying. I'm being completely honest. I've never sharpened it. I use it daily and it is still performing. So, I mean, I know that's like, you know, a sponsorship like crux there, but like, it's, it's true. Like I'm, I'm very happy with the results. So I'm glad you guys found that sweet spot and you were able to, um, to move forward knowing what your customer would pay versus, you know, what, what their result will be from a, a longevity standpoint. Yeah. It's, uh, I think we've hit the sweet spot. I mean, these knives will last 10, 20 years for a lot of people, but it is it was a practical consideration that you don't want to buy something if it's going to break your heart if you lose it or if it gets broken. It's the same way that I make a lot of my personal purchase decisions. I'm not going to go out and buy a TV that I can't really afford because what if it falls off the wall if I mounted it wrong? So it's, you know, trying to be a product that you can be relied upon that has that quality, but that also doesn't stretch what can be a really small paycheck for a lot of cooks and a lot of working chefs out there. Okay. So I have a question. So now like you, you're past sort of the, the salad days, the initial like green period where I sorry, Jamie's laughing. Cause I, I use that. And I like that phrase. Um, so you're past these introductory days. I mean, you're sitting in your test kitchen warehouse right now. You're permanently located in California. I mean, you have a legit website. I mean, how, what, when did you know that this was going to be what you did following culinary school? You weren't going to go work in a, you know, a kitchen per se, like, you know, so many of our graduates do. Like when did, when did that second light bulb go on to be like, oh shit, maybe this is like, you know, my life. Yeah, that was a really stressful situation because I ended up finishing Johnson & Wales in just about three years. So I was a year ahead of when I'd expected to finish up. And as the clock was ticking and winding down towards when I was going to graduate, I had to sort of think, can I support myself with this? Can I do this long term? What's the plan? And a lot of the proof of concept came through when we started getting some recognition, some bigger chefs, some bigger restaurants started using the knives. Um, Some of our wholesale accounts like Dolan Bailey that's up there in New England, they're an amazing team. And working with them as a student at the uh, Newport Food and Wine Fest formed a connection. They started selling those knives and their chefs really loved them. And we started selling out pretty quickly. 
And we hit that spot while I was, you know, still in school that, oh, we're out of knives. We got to order more. I need to figure this out. Hey, you know, Carol, Alex, can we whip up some more? How soon can they get here? And that showed me that there was a demand, that people wanted these and that there was a real future to it. So I had to take the uh, the leap and jump into this. When I finished up school, I decided I'm going to push. I'm going to hustle. We're going to make this a real business. And we've come a long way. And I'm really excited and proud of that. Yeah, that is something to be proud of. And that's really scary to put stock in yourself like that and go for it. That it can it can be really scary. So I'm glad that you're confident enough to to go forward and do it. And I think that's a really good message for for our listeners too is you just have to believe in what you're doing. You have to grind, you have to be out there, you have to push and it's going to take work to get there, but you can definitely be successful. And one place where you guys are successful that I want you to talk a little bit more about is your social media campaigns where you're sharing recipes, you're doing giveaways, you're reposting everyone who's tagging you guys. Can you talk a little bit more about your your social media campaigns that you're doing and how other yeah. people can get involved? Yeah, absolutely. It's um, something fundamental to the brand is to keep engaged. Uh, we don't want to just be a brand that someone buys something from because they saw an ad and then never hears from again. And through both the industry and the home cook side, we've tried to build that community through the recipes. Sam Burgess does an amazing job. He's our New England rep, but he was my roommate back at Johnson & Wales. You're always meeting people that are going to be in your future, especially through the connections of culinary school. But he's an amazing chef. Maya Alderman, who's still at Johnson & Wales, is an incredible chef, and she's been doing some recipe development for us. But it's a great way for us to get content that we can show off how the knives work and how pretty they are, but also give a new chef, a home cook, even a professional little inspiration or a little something that they can make at home that keeps them coming back that doesn't have to be a purchase. They can keep enjoying the Fortune Table website or enjoying the social without feeling like they have to buy something because you don't need to buy a knife every week. We talked about how long they're going to last, but you still want to be engaged. So building that around, reposting other people's content, help making them feel like part of the community, and then working with the recipes to give someone something interesting in their inbox every couple of weeks or on the website every couple of weeks really goes a long way towards brand loyalty, in my opinion. And we've had a good response from people. Yeah, I feel like that's, it's almost required now. You can't just be a one and done company. And you see this with a lot of companies, they have like lifelong maintenance, or they'll have lifelong engagement, because when that time comes, whether the knife just eventually wears out, or like, Lord forbid, it gets lost or stolen. I mean, I remember when I left culinary school, at that moment, if you owned a global chef's knife, it was like the best thing you could ever have in the world. And I had a whole set that got stolen. It was like one of the most devastating moments. I'm still scarred. But, um, you know, it, continuously engaging your customer allows them to know that like when that time does come, like we're here for you. Like, you know, we'll, we'll be there. So speaking of, you know, the future, what is down the road for Forge to Table. I know you guys have expanded your brand to include aprons, which are fantastic. I love it. Uh, the bench knife, you have other swag, the shoes, people like- The plating kit. Okay, I'm going to be honest with you about the shoes. When I got the shoes, no, I thought they were ridiculous looking. But you know what? <laughs> I'm 100% I'm, I'm, I'm honest. And I, Jamie, the pastry, like, so I have the, there's like, they're Vans. And- mm -hmm. yep. The, the savory ones, if you were a black and white, and the pastry ones are like, they have donuts on them. And I'm like, I was a little jealous of Jamie. <laughs> but like, you know what? I'm like, screw it. I'm going to wear these shoes because, you know, like, I, I want to support Noah. And every time I wear the shoes, like I was getting a COVID vaccine and someone's like, oh, I love your shoes. And I'm like, are, are you are you kidding me? Like, I, 
I thought these were the stupidest looking shoes. And, and but you know what? I've come around on them, and I realized I mean, that they're they're yeah, funky. I don't I don't know if you pull them off perfectly, but you do wear them <laughs> quite a bit. Well, style's not really my my you know thing, but I will say that they are stylish, and everyone likes them. So it turns out, Noah, that I just don't know what I'm talking about, and <laughs> you know, everyone everyone likes them. So like you've you've done shoes, the case and the aprons, which are which are like bulletproof. They're awesome. The bench yep. knife, the plating spoons, the tweezers, and like I'm I'm not a tweezer guy per se, but like when the moment ar- when the moment arises, like they're perfect. What's in the what's down what's in the future for you guys? I mean, I'm first on the vans. I'm glad you've come around. They're uh, they're a lot of fun. They're uh, and they're a good project. They it's are. one of those brand partnerships, like with Case and Aprons, that's been super exciting to develop because we don't exist in a vacuum. I don't think any business should think that way. So it's been exciting to go to brands that I really love and say, "Hey, can we collab? Can we do something here?" And it's been cool to offer those additional products that customers can get excited about. And the vans are cool. You know, we scholarshiped. Um, those have gone towards, you know, over a hundred kids spread out between high school and as they graduate going off to culinary school. But, you know, we've raised over $15,000 for the culinary school that I went to as a high school student. Uh, and it's been exciting to back them into their pro star programs and stuff like that. They went to nationals this year. It was really exciting, but coming up in the future, you know, we've, uh, really been focused on production. We just moved, uh, to a new forge. So it's the first time that Alex has gotten his hands on a new space since he took over from his dad. They've been in that space since the uh, 70s when his dad moved in there. And now we are in a space almost six times the size. So we've got some growing to get into it. But we've purchased new kilns. We've got new materials. We've got two new apprentices training on the Forge team. So it's been exciting to uh, really invest in our growth and invest in the future. So when demand picks up, people are ready and they can get their hands on their knives. Coming in the immediate future, we've got these new knife blocks that I've got a couple of hanging around here. So that's one of those things that... A lot of cooks, especially at home, have asked for, um, they want a place to put their knives. They want to show them off. They want to store them. They want to keep track of them. And we kind of figured a cool way to go about it without that classic, you know, Serlotob knife block. We wanted to go with something a little more punchy and go with a magnetic. So we're going to be coming out with a magnetic knife bar, the classic thing you see on people's walls. And that's going to be exciting. Plus, we have a countertop mounted one, so you don't have to drill in to the wall. But you can still hold six of your knives. They stand up really beautifully, protects the blade. So those are really exciting. That's the kind of accessory thing that people who've had the knives for five or six years now from the original are like, okay, can I get something to show them off? I want to store my knives. And now we've got it. I'm very excited about that. Yeah. I, I, um, pre-order, like sign me up for <laughs> one. Um, I want it. I, I, I'm, I was literally talking with my wife the other day, like, cause we have an older kitchen, but we're like, Oh, let's get a magnet because we have all our knives. They're on the counter and our kids are getting taller. So we want to have something a little bit more elevated. So, um, yeah, um, I want one. You so, got it. Let's, 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 let's make that happen. I can, I'll, I'll let you know. We'll, we'll deal with the transaction afterwards. Jamie, will we, sorry, Jamie, I cut you off. Oh, it's fine. It's normal occurrence. Um, it's so true. I was, I was going to say that I love how hands are hands on you are with all of the creation and development and the entire process. And I think that's really important that you remain hands on. You're not, you're not like above it and delegating down that you're really there making sure everything is to your specifications and to your quality. And I was wondering your take on that. Like, do you feel that that's a big part you want to remain hands-on and a big part as to why you are being so successful? Yeah, absolutely. It's, uh, it's important to me because 
sports at table is my baby. It's exciting to get to work with it every day, to be the person that when a customer sends an email, whether it's my roommate left uh, my knife in the sink overnight, which I literally got this morning, and I'm going to talk them through how to fix that, or whether it's someone asking about a new product or just needing guidance on what knife to pick, I'm happy to be the person on the other end of that email to uh, to help them pick it out, to be excited about it. Um, I eat, sleep, and breathe these knives. and. You know, I think the brand could go on without me. I think the brand speaks for itself. I know Carol and Alex, their knife making, you know, I can't take credit for that. I get to do the design, but they are, you know, the lifeblood of this, our blacksmith team is incredible, but it's exciting for me to be part of it and to engage with customers and new people and spread the word on the brand. So you get the good, the bad, and the ugly. You get all the emails. They're all right. Oh, yes. Yeah. It's all coming right (laughs) through me dealing with all the UPS and USPS and importing headaches and all that. But at the end of the day, also talking to some great people that are rocking their knives all over in, you know, Michelin restaurants and world's 50 best restaurants. It's extremely exciting to me and getting those pictures and having people send those our way. I just light up when I get to see that. I mean, as like all chefs do, when you hear anything associated with a sort of upper echelon restaurant, if you're involved with it, it's, it's, in your gut, very exciting. Oh, yeah. So I'm glad that you've experienced that success. And, you know, I, I think that, you know, this is probably a good time to sort of to wrap up, but I think that your involvement, the hands-on involvement that, you know, Jamie mentioned and that you just affirmed, like you should never lose that because I think that it's your strength. Like I, I never had you in class, but I knew you as a student. Like we went on a, a ski trip together and I, you yeah. know, I would always, every once in a while I would get stuck behind your red car with the fortune table thing. And I'm like, oh, I know, I know where Noah is. Um, but I, I know that that is your strength. And I think it's a testament to why you've been as successful as you are. And I, and, I, and hopefully will continue to be. So um, I know Jamie and I both, love your product. We're, we're happy that you're involved with the podcast. Finally, we got you on to share your story. I think that if any student is listening to this right now, it should be inspiration. And I, if I could be so bold, Noah, because I know you have your hand up. If any student had a question about entrepreneurship, could they, could they reach out to you? Absolutely. I'm always really stoked to get to talk to current Johnson Wales students even CIA students, I'll talk to occasionally, you know, not to go talk to the enemy, but it's really exciting for me to help them out. Um, If I could just give a piece of advice to every single culinary student, whether you're in high school or whether you're in college, it's so important to ask questions and take the opportunities because you don't know what you're going to do in five years. You could have a 30 year plan and you can know exactly from the time that you were five years old that you want to be a chef and you were going to work at this restaurant in this state. You can have that whole vision in your head and things are going to change. So it's so important to go out and make the connections and get the opportunities that you can. Volunteer, join your clubs at school and talk to people. Go to restaurants, take your stages, email CEOs of companies. If you can get their email and say, hey, can I get some advice or find a mentor? Find the professors and the chefs at Johnson & Wales that are going to be your friends when you graduate because I could not have gotten where I was with Fortune Table while I was at school and since without the connections and the chefs. Getting to walk into a classroom and focus group with a bunch of other culinary peers and a bunch of chefs was the feedback that drove our brand or our first set of knives. And then beyond that, working with some of my professors on the entrepreneurship side was just life-changing. Getting to sit down and say, I know we cover this in class, but can you help me roll this out into my business? Can you help me 
actually make a business plan? Can you help me make a sell sheet? Dr. Aswani and the entrepreneurship program who runs the e-center is an amazing resource for any student trying to start a business. She is a wealth of knowledge and an amazing person that I love to work with and talk to your chefs. Even if you had them three years ago, hit them up, go back to them and ask them because you guys are perfect examples of this. Almost every chef at Johnson & Wales has done other things, has other businesses, has passions outside of just that classroom kitchen and they're a resource. I mean, whatever you need as a student, it's so great to have just that plethora of chefs to go talk to. And it's not about what's on the curriculum that makes Johnson & Wales so valuable. It's about the people you're going to meet. It's about the lessons you're going to learn outside of the class and the opportunities you're going to get. So save those business cards, make that LinkedIn and talk to your chefs, especially these two. I'm like tearing up right now. (laughs) It's like inspiration, like up the kazoo here. Like that. I mean, a quick anecdote. Like I, I remember when I, and it's not that like, I didn't think your product was good. I just didn't know enough about Fortune Table when you were a student. But the moment for me, when I realized that, you know, it was serious was when I saw, because you were in a, a club at school, when I saw your advisors of the club using your knife daily, I was like, well, maybe maybe there's something there's something here. And that's when I decided to chat with you more about it, because I'm like, okay, now I really want to know how this is going. So I just think that that's great advice. Great advice, Noah. Yeah, shout out to the Club of Culinary Excellence. Whatever the <laughs> club you're in at Johnson & Wales, I loved the Club of Culinary Excellence. I was the president. It gave me a lot of opportunities and connections. Like I said, Dolan Bailey at Newport Wine and Food. But that's the proof of concept you need as a new business, as, an, as a new business owner, is to go to your friends, go to people that aren't your friends that you just happen to know, and ask them to rip you to shreds or to pick it up and try it because any kind of food business needs that proof. It's not just your palate. It's not just your you know sensory intake that's going to prove if it's a good idea it's going to be your peers it's going to be your connections yeah absolutely and i mean i have the paring knife in my school knife kit it's the paring knife i pull out when i'm doing demos or uh, demoing how to segment an orange at at school so i have it if anyone wants to check it out you know it's there um but i want to thank you so much for joining us and can you let everyone know where they can find you uh on social channels Absolutely. So you can check out Forge to Table on TikTok, Instagram, Facebook, a little bit on YouTube. And if you're looking for a knife, you can hit uh, head to forgetotable.com. And if you want to see one in person and get your hands on it, you can always ask some of your chefs. They might have it in a knife kit. Or you can go to Stock Culinary Goods on Hope Street in Providence. You can go to the Jaywoo Bookstore in Providence. And you can head around uh, to our website and see where else we've got them. And, and most awesome. importantly that if you are listening to this podcast and you're thinking about buying a knife, Noah and the team at Forge Table are, are super generous. They offer um, a promo code culinary now, all one word, and that gives you 15% off uh, your purchase at, at checkout. So um, I know I have a friend who just bought a knife and used the promo code. Whenever I pick up one, I mean, it's, it's a no brainer to use it. It's just it's so important to take advantage of that because as we mentioned earlier, knives are expensive and every little bit helps. So 15% is a nice uh, bonus at checkout. For sure. For sure. And we thank you so much for giving our listeners that. Um, And if I can just make a quick request for a product that I would love, which is totally random and not important, but I love food t-shirts and um, like I have one wearing right now. Uh, 
And I have quite a few, but there was a company that used to make really awesome food t-shirts. My husband has a few. It says like bacon gives me a lard on and like really fun puns like that. And they went out of business. So I would love some fun food, food t-shirts. Um, okay. I think we can, we can work on that. I mean, I love food swag myself. I'm always rocking some, you know, bacon socks or something like that. So totally. Just don't ask me if it's a good idea because clearly I have no style. I'll 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 be like, food t-shirts are stupid. And then they'll like sell out in like a week and I'll be like, what do I know? No Um, fashion advice from Matt. (laughs) No, please. I mean, anyone who knows me knows that like, listen, you know, I'm bringing the mustache back. Either way. uh, Noah, thank you so much for taking the time, for taking the time. And, um, you know, just such a good relationship to have with you and, and, and all the best to, to fortune table. I hope you guys are, are, are kicking butt for years to come. Thank you so much. It's awesome to talk to you both. I look forward to talking to some of your listeners. No one hesitate to reach out. I'm always here. So send an email, ask a question, whatever you need. I'm always happy to uh, be a resource to some other students because uh, I know I had a lot of those great mentors when I was coming through school. Thank you, everyone, for listening to today's episode. We also want to thank our friend Matt Burns for providing all the music for the Culinary Now podcast. If you liked today's episode, leave us a five-star review wherever you get your podcast. Your positive feedback helps us reach more listeners. And don't forget to hit that subscribe button to receive updates on new episodes from all our projects. If you'd like to reach out to the team at Culinary Now, please shoot us an email at culinarynowpodcast at gmail.com or connect with us on Instagram and Facebook at Culinary Now Podcast. We'll talk to you soon. And we are.